We're now working through the section, which is probably the central section, one of the central sections of Mesil Sisharim. It's called the section of Nikias. And the section of Nikias, just to summarize, is, is uh, sequenced after the section of Zahiras. Zahiras means avoiding, not, not little if, it's not juxtaposed, but a previous section that talked about avoiding sin. And Nikias is more internal. How do you sculpt a personality that would not even want to sin? And he talked about the two primary areas of actions that most often shade our thinking, bias our judgment, cloud our thinking. One is profit and greed and avarice and theft. And when I say theft, I don't just mean taking something from your pocket, but on the margins where you take money that you don't really deserve and you're not exactly punctilious about and you let things wash a little bit. And it's only sexual desire we talked about last week. Now we're going to segue into what he calls um, internal or, or social social activities, where you feel social pressure. And I'm just going to speak about one of them because it's unfortunately very prevalent in our day. When the Torah describes the issue of lying, he uses a very interesting phrase, midvar sheker tirchak. Let's say midvar sheker timna, a midvar sheker al tiskarev, is midvar sheker tirchak, which means that Baruch Hu wants us to be as far as possible. It's the only iser that's articulated as tirchak. Every other iser, the verb is don't drink, don't eat, don't kill, don't sleep. There's a verb. Here the verb is you should be far away as possible from sheker. Now why is sheker so corrosive? For two reasons. One is theological, because the Kaddish Baruch Hu is the ultimate MS. There's, there's nothing in this world that's completely true. There's not a world of truth. Every human being, as, you, as much as you try to find authenticity, there'll always be improper motives, there'll always be... And a lot of boys your age, in the search for authenticity, and I hope you're going to try to become authentic, you become very perfectionist. Well, it's not exactly authentic, it's not 100% pure, and you become harsh judgments, judgmentalist towards other people, and then to yourself also. You say, well, I'm not really as good as I can be, and really I'm a failure, and I'm not good as I should be. This is not a world for MS. Nothing in this world. To the day you die, there'll be a whole range of motives in your heart, and a whole range of secondary alternative motives, the goal is what's the driver, what's secondary, what's... Uh, there was a movie that was out a um, long, long time ago. I don't know if you, met, if you ever heard of it, called The Beautiful Mind. I watched a movie once. Very special mind, very special movie. It's about a person who had some sort of psycho- psychotic condition. He was always seeing these people along with him in his, in his life, talking to him. And basically, at a certain point, if I remember correctly, a therapist told him, just embrace it, just live with them. Instead of trying to fight their presence, just take them in as your friends and let, make them part of your life. And to me, at least, it was a metaphor that sometimes you just have to accept all the areas in life you can't climb above and you can't transcend. Now, again, if they're horrible, like addiction, or you're a mass murderer, or you're non-functional, but if you just have these slight things that drag you down, instead of battling and battling and battling, just say... My intentions will not always be 1,000% pure, but I will try to purify them as much as I can. So this is not a world of truth, but we want to be as truthful as possible because Hashem is true. And the further or the more dishonest you are, when I say dishonest, I don't just mean dishonest to your friend in a deceitful way, but dishonest to yourself, dishonest about in arguments where you don't accept another person's factual argument because you're so committed to your ideological principles and saying, okay, those are the facts. I just feel a little differently about the positions. And you can't be close to Hashem. It's until in Tesvav, Mi agur bi'ahalacha, who will be close to Hashem? Holech tamim, ufa'el tzedek, v'dover emes bilbavo. Someone that speaks honesty in their heart. Mi ale bahar Hashem, mi akomim kom kachau, neki kapayim, someone who's clean from any prophet, uvar livav, and they're honest in their heart. So first of all, you want to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And if you're dishonest, you could be the biggest tzaddik in the world. If you're dishonest, you're not close to Hashem because Hashem is honesty. The second reason is because you want to be honest in life because if you're not honest in life, it would be hard to be honest with yourself. If you're not honest with yourself, it's very, very hard to change because you always script narratives. You always give justifications. You always describe yourself in ways you're not. You always, self-honesty is a very, very hard trait to be brutally honest with yourself. Right? Ask yourself, are you an honest, per- an honest person, a dishonest person? Who's the most honest person? We call grittiness, frank or candor. Now, you have to be careful. You don't want to be too honest with other people because that could be insulting, that could be impolite, that could be blunt. But sometimes you value people who don't compliment you, who don't build you up based on who you are, but are willing to call things to your attention. And as we would say, get in your face and force you to challenge whom you are and ask yourself hard questions. Again, as long as it's done with respect, it's not done with abuse, not done with manipulation. So that's why the Torah says, Midvar Sheker Tirchak. Now here there's a very interesting, I always say you need to modernize in the Seal Hashem. We talked about three different groups of people who, who lie. But this is a very 1800s. So people just spend the whole day walking around trying to find people to tell stories to and to lie. And we don't really have that time on our hands. Imagine living in 18th century Italy, very slow life, and along many, many days on the boats, traveling from Italy to Turkey, weeks and weeks on the boat. So what do they do? They tell stories. They tell stories to one another. And people would be habitual liars in these stories. And then there are people who lie a little bit less, and, and they just they fabricate, they exaggerate. They don't lie. They're not completely concocting stories. But they tell a story, but they add a little mustard to it. They add a little garnishings to it. And then there are people who, who don't really exaggerate and inflate, but they're not careful to be absolutely precise and absolutely... Again, those three classes of liars, it's hard to map them to our day. Do you know people that spend their whole time going, hey, can I tell you a story? Like, that's, not, that's not where we are. But try to find other areas. Like What, what areas in the culture are chronic lying? I think um, when we think about um, fake news and, and the entire social media, it's going to get worse and worse. It just came out with an AI um, I don't know the name of it, where you can plug in a couple of words and it'll spit out a 4K movie to you. So it's not just information or pictures, but actual videos. So how much of getting swept into that rabbit hole of the internet and social media is reading things, and how contagious is it? How much does it infect you and prevent your ability to tell the truth? Um, we live in a postmodern world, and nothing is absolute, and no position can be... You can't even agree about the facts, because... You know, we're, we're officially committing genocide in, in Gaza. We, we know that not to be true. We, we speak to our soldiers. We know people are dying. I mean, the easiest thing would be just to bomb building after building. And just the last two weeks, there were last week there were two incidents in which our soldiers entered buildings because they were trying not to bomb the buildings, and they were booby-trapped. And unfortunately, we suffered heavy casualties. So try to think about how you can become a more honest person. Intellectual honesty is part of it. A lot of people who are religious are afraid of intellectual honesty because it raises questions. And as long as you have, A, the ability to live with questions and it won't break your faith because you know you don't know it all, and B, a question in your mind is just a portal or a leaping pad to understand things better. When I ask a question on Rashi, I don't understand Rashi. It's not that I think I'm smarter than Rashi. It's that for me to understand Rashi, I have to understand Rashi, and I'll work harder to see if I can make sense of Rashi so that it sits within my heart. And if I can't, it's like, yes, I understand Rashi. He's a pretty big Talmud Chacham, a lot bigger than I'll ever be. It's like I'm contending with Rashi or competing with Rashi. So there's a whole world that I don't think people work enough at. That's to be honest. Now, of course, you have to find, as I said before, the balance between honesty and politeness and diplomacy and tact. That just because you know something to be true about someone else doesn't mean you always want to say it. But you should at least know what's true and know what's false, certainly about yourself, certainly 
um, that to tell stories, trying to to be careful about quoting things that aren't true. It's very, very, it's very, uh, it's very, very easy just to impress people with saying things that you don't know. You want to sound like an intellectual. You want to come up. You want to come across as impressive to people. You're trying to win people's applause, or sometimes you lie just to get out of a tight spot, right? Where um, it's easier to tell a lie than to just admit to the truth, and that truth is going to be painful to you because you did something poorly, you underperformed. Again, there are a few instances in which you should lie. Those are called in English white lies, or in Hebrew they're called dar shalom. The classic case is Beis Hillel, where you come into a wedding, the Gemara in Ksuvel, stuff Yudzayin, where you come into a wedding, I'm sorry, testified, you'll come into a wedding, and the woman is not really attractive, and you shouldn't say, oh, you're not attractive. You should say, Kalanov HaChasid. You should say something which is a bit of a white lie. So there are moments to keep Shalom by. You have to be very, 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 very careful because you start to justify everything to be a white lie. Well, I'm doing this just to save that person from disliking me because I did something horrible. Don't tell a white lie. So you have to be careful. There are times that Hashem wants you to lie to protect Kavad Abrios, but in general, Tara writes, Midvar Sheker Tirchak, be distant from lying, be distant from dishonesty. Okay, have a good week, everyone. Tomorrow and Tuesday is Misil Sharon, and then at the end of the week we focus on the Tarsha. Okay? Have a good, successful week of learning, an honest week. You're welcome. Thank you so much,